Reader, a podcast about Good Riddance, where I, Josh Lindley, and co-bozo Dan Forcier talk about three songs by Good Riddance, among other stuff, every week. Uh, this week, we're discussing the songs Pain to the Enlightenment from Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection. We're talking about Feel Their Pain from the Anti-Racist Action Comp. And we're talking about Grace and Virtue from Peace in Our Time. Dan, what if someone wants to tell us we're doing everything right and they want to give us a big virtual high five? How do they do that? What's up, pals? The best way to do that is to uh, shoot us an email or um, slide into our DMs. If you want to email us, it's uh, lastbeliever_pod at gmail.com. Instagram um, is lastbeliever_pod. It's pretty much cross-platform, so I don't even know why I hesitated there for a second. So yeah, just hit us up if you want to talk to us about anything. Virtual high five. If you want to start a discussion about something you may or may not agree with that we say, uh, we're totally open. Uh, while you're online, though, and if you do agree with what we say, we'd love it if you just dropped a five-star review and subscribe to the pod. It really helps people find what we're doing, um, even if it's something as easy as tight. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that week over week. It's, it's so yeah, putting sure. that putting that in the um, <clears throat> as the five-star review just really helps us. You don't have to put too too much in. You don't have to break uh, break a sweat thinking about what to write in. Just really helps the algorithm kind of get people to find us. But more importantly. Just share it with a friend. Share it with a friend who thinks they would like to hear uh, two bozos shoot the shit about uh, good riddance and a bunch of other random stuff. Lastly, we have a Patreon. Um, again, you know, as we've said before, not doing it to, uh, you know, cash in from you guys. We really just want to cover our costs. Um, so if you want to check it out at patreon.com slash lastbeliever_pod, sign up. We have some cool stuff there. Still working on some some cool exclusive stuff for you guys and, uh, or for you people, I apologize. And, um, yeah, that's it. Check us out. Let us know, give us feedback. We're here for you. And while you're goofing around online, we have a playlist on Spotify. If you look up last believer podcast playlist, you should be able to find it. We have a handful of followers there. I listen to the podcast playlist to get myself stoked. And, uh, I didn't talk about this with Dan beforehand. Usually when we record, I'll have a beer, a locally made thing, something kind of like hoppy or fruity. Sometimes I'll make myself a cocktail. I was drinking Viercares for a while while we were recording the podcast. Due to COVID, I've had a unforeseen career change <laughs> where uh, I can't make drinks at a bar currently, which is what I've been doing for the last decade and a half. Uh, and I have a friend who needed a hand doing some landscaping jobs. I have no skills as a landscaper, but I do have skills digging graves and uh, lifting heavy things. And he knows this. So I uh, I got reached out to. The point is, at the time we're recording, I'm a little more worn out than I usually would be. And putting booze on worn out doesn't make for good podcasting. You know what does? A mug of coffee. You want to take a <laughs> guess at what coffee I'm drinking, Dan? Uh, is it? No, I was just going to start naming local things that people might not get. I'm assuming it is from Essex Coffee and it's the Mother Superior blend. Hell yeah. And it is dark and nutty and rich. And it is giving me life after a day of lugging rock parts back and forth across driveways and yards, doing some digging, doing some fence post setting. Mixing concrete, I tell you, this coffee, that's what's going to get me through this podcast. You really thanks glow. To, thanks to Essex Coffee. Uh, Aaron, if you're hearing this, let's hang out. Talk about only crime. Talk about good riddance. Who knows? 
you really glossed over the fact that you have uh, experience digging graves that someone noticed and then kind of tripped up saying that you're lugging body parts. Do you care to elaborate <laughs> on this? Because that really, uh, you know, caught me off guard there. I've had many jobs, Dan. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we jump into any songs? Uh, no, I feel like uh, through the intro, I tripped up a little bit because, you know, we're recording this on uh, 420 and I maybe took a little gummy and then to bounce back, I'm drinking an energy drink. So I'm just gaining my composure. <laughs> it's all about finding balance. Yeah, yeah. All right. The first song that we're going to talk about this week is Pain to the Enlightenment. It is the last song on side one of Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection from 2003. Russ, Luke, Dave Wagonshoots, and Chuck Platt. And this is another song that Chuck Platt wrote the music to. Dan, what did you think of this one? Well, firstly, um, the pronunciation of Pain. Um, yeah, it's I, I haven't seen that word used very much. It's not in my lexicon at all. Um, I think it was a very good use of the word in this this uh, situation. Like my only reference to it is like being like super stoned <laughs> late at night watching um, flipping between like Greek mythology documentaries and alien documentaries. So it's like, yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of where my origin of the word is. I don't know. I don't know if it, is it is it a word that you commonly use? Is it something that's just kind of in your arsenal? I would never commonly use it, but the first time I ever heard it, I was, this is going to be a bit of a story. Uh, I was a kid, a very young kid, like nine, 10 years old. And my uh, stepdad drank a specific brand of beer always. And for whatever reason, for like three months, one summer, they had these books that were inside your cases of beer that were all about the history of different genres of music. And so there oh. was a soul one and a jazz one and a rock one and a metal one and a country one. And I don't know, but in the metal one, which was the one I was most interested in, which everyone should definitely be surprised about. Uh, <laughs> but reading the metal one in the section about Slayer, they said that the song Angel of Death was a pain to Joseph Mengele. And I was like, yeah, nine or 10 years old when I first read it. And I was like, what the hell word is this? And I don't think I saw it again until 2003 when Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection came out. That's a really heavy sentence to be found in a book in a case of beer. Well, it was like those those books went deeper than you would expect. Like it was like a 200 page book that was the size of a CD, right? Like it's a CD sized booklet. Uh, that just slid between bottles, I guess. And uh, yeah, I kept I kept those books for a while. That's why I know a very small amount about every band. <laughs> sure. I need, I need to try and track those down. We'll talk, we'll talk off mic instead of name dropping the uh, name of beer. We'll we'll figure that one out. No, this episode is sponsored by Essex Coffee Roasters. We could talk yeah, about yeah. beer some other week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, off mic, off mic. We'll figure it out so I can deep dive for these without name checking a big... <laughs> brewing company but yeah. yes the song the sorry the song uh i listened to it a bunch of times like on repeat and like musically it never really clicked with me and i tried and i was like it's interesting it sounds different than a lot of the other stuff but it just didn't really click with me except for the chorus i love how the chorus sounded and i love how at the end of each chorus basically how everything drops out except for chuck's bass perfect sounds great but like just overall, just that 
general riff just didn't click with me. It's not like bad or anything, just not for me. Oh yeah. So, uh, lyrically song is super interesting. Again, like great use of the word pain. Um, I definitely took a little deep dive, you know, to looking at the definition again. Cause again, I was like, Oh yeah, it's a Greek God of sorts. And then, but whatever. And I really like how the song ends with, uh, Smith wrote anything but fiction. Cause then it really unmasks what may have been veiled in like similes and metaphors throughout, let's just say the poem, like lyrically it's like, it's, it's written as a poem. Like it's very well written. And I'll admit that other by name, like I'm not very familiar with Adam Smith or even the Scottish enlightenment movement. I mean, yeah. like I read like Paul's notes of it. I uh, did, did a, uh, like a cursory glance on uh, Wikipedia and then I didn't want to get too, too much into it. Like I was, so I was reading Wikipedia with this song on repeat, like just kind of reading it. So some of it lost on me because I didn't want to get too deep into it. And I didn't want to take too many notes on it because I am certain that you have a great deal on this. And I definitely don't want to step on your toes or double dip into your material. <laughs> well, I, I don't have a whole ton about it, but I also um, a term that I've only ever heard used in the last like six months or so is the term homework band. And usually the term homework band is something like uh, a band you were supposed to be into before you got into whatever. Like you can't fully appreciate, um, I don't know, Kendrick Lamar unless you know what Easy e did, you know, that kind of thing. And so like so like Easy es solo projects are a homework record for you, uh, whereas on this song, Paying to the Enlightenment, the lyrics themselves present you with homework to do. I mean, that's awesome. And I do, I'm a big fan of the whole know your history thing with music in terms of like homework bands. It's probably why I love so much of older stuff too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It definitely was, definitely was a homework song though. There was, I was like, okay, there's some stuff that I don't really know. And I just, yeah. And I like how he basically without going through a liner note too, just like, Hey, Smith, and with very easily, you can find the quote unquote father of capitalism. Yeah, you can find that stuff online now. So, yeah, Here, I'm going to I'm going to jump in. You ready? Strap I'm in. It's about ready? to get real exciting. <laughs> I got you. I'm just crushing coffee. So, like, it's going to sound exciting no matter what. Pain is a word used to describe a tribute to the best parts of something, uh, you know, whether it's an idea or a person or um a song by Slayer and the enlightenment in this song, so far as I can tell, doesn't have to do with Buddhism or any other religious aspirations or myths. And it isn't really a reference to the age of enlightenment in Europe, which depending on which historical text you want to trust started with Descartes with his, uh, I think therefore I am. And it was the first time or one of the first times anyway, that a large group of people started exploring philosophical and scientific reasoning as opposed to just doing whatever the church said and getting all of your information from clerics. But the Enlightenment that's referenced in Payin to the Enlightenment, this particular Payin, um, so far as I can tell, like you were saying, it has to do with the Scottish Enlightenment. So kind of like the Enlightenment in uh, mainland Europe, but in the late 18th century, a bunch of aspects of thinking changed in Scotland. Botany, sociology, chemistry, agriculture, medicine, law, engineering, and political economy. So all these Scottish accomplishments really affect ideas all over the world. 
there was a bunch of universities in Scotland that were training Americans and Englishmen and, uh, you know, people that would go on and, you know, colonize the rest of the world. A lot of these people were learning what they were learning in mm-hmm. Scotland at the time. And one of the people that was sending out all these new ideas was Adam Smith, like you mentioned. Uh, Adam Smith is responsible for a few important books, but the main one, the most important one, the most impactful one is called An Inquiry into the Nature and Causes of the Wealth of Nations. Usually mm-hmm. people just call it the Wealth of Nations, just like, you know, we all call it just Comprehensive Guide. And yeah, just, you know, drawing it back to the the show. Um, bear with me because I'm not an economist or a historian, but Adam Smith said that acting in self-interest can benefit society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he also pushed the idea that competition in a free market would keep prices low while still including incentives for makers of goods and providers of services. Mm-hmm. He did warn against businessmen specifically and their conspiratorial nature, which, you know, 250 years later, that's all run wild. And uh, now it has two bozos on a podcast talking about a song by Good Riddance that refers to all of that in just the title. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> all right. You feel free to Google any of the stuff that I just said. I did it and my brain started hurting. This is probably, honestly, Dan, this is probably the most time I've spent reading stuff for an episode. And I haven't even started talking about the actual song yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of what you were saying, too. Like, I don't, not to, like, you know, get ahead of you or anything, but you kind of touched on it with the invisible hand you know, kind of the self-interest yeah. of people is, is, am I getting ahead of myself or ahead of you right now? Oh no, I'm going to get into the song part of it. I'm leaving. I think, uh, I think I've given enough weird historical breadcrumbs at this point. <laughs> I was just going to say like the biggest criticism that I saw, like it, granted it's like on the, the Wikipedia section of just kind of talking about how the theory of the invisible hand, you know, that would be the person helping, the community while acting in their own self-interest is often invisible because it's never there. And I mean, as we are now in this pandemic where the rich get richer, uh, yeah. Invisible hand is not there. Yeah. Yeah. In the song paying to the enlightenment, (laughs) Russ Rankin addresses a group of businessmen in their boardrooms, making decisions that will affect actual people and how the people in these boardrooms are the only ones that can really make decisions that can positively affect the people that they are supposedly serving. I don't know if serving is even the right word, to be honest with you. Capitalism run amok is sort of addressed in the song, but as you're saying, in a very poetic way. Uh, musically, again, Chuck really showing his dedication to some of the heavier, uh, like mid-80s hardcore. The leads yeah. in this song sound... Um, like they sound a lot like Blast. And considering how many of the songs that Seized Up have that sound sort of like Blast, it's kind of cool to hear this now uh, looking back, you know, 18 years to when this record came out, which at the time I think I had heard like one Blast 7-inch or whatever. Like I wasn't deep into them and now hearing it and knowing that band inside out and hearing this, it's like, oh, I see where that comes from now. Um, Dave Wagon shoots gets to kind of show off on paying to the enlightenment as well. There's lots of really quick rolls and fills throughout. And like the beat itself is a little, uh, unconventional. Yes. Also, 
as far as structure, the interchanging, you were saying when stuff, when everything drops out and it's just the bass line rolling through, but then there's other parts where everything drops out and it's just the guitar playing the same sort of lead part. I feel like they spent a lot of time building out what this song is. And it's a weird mix of like nation of Ulysses sort of time signatures and parts kind of layered on each other. But then it sounds as tough as a Cro-Mag song. Uh, I love it. And I know we keep talking about how on Comprehensive Guide, Good Riddance was stretching into new spaces and figuring things out. But songs like Pain to the Enlightenment and More to Pomales Fellini on Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection honestly make me think that this album was probably a pretty serious growth period for the band, too. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, you were having a hard time getting the song to click with you. And I feel like when this record first came out, I was more interested in the song than I was enjoying it. Whereas now I just fully love it. I think that's that's a really cool way of putting it because I, while it didn't click, it didn't hate it. Like I listened to it on repeat like a lot just to be just to take it really take it in. But it's sad. It's yeah. Def, I was definitely interested in the the song as a whole. Iced tea, half lemonade, baby. Yeah, sure. Uh, the second song we're talking about this week is Feel Their Pain. Originally from the anti-racist action compilation, which came out in 1999. This is a cover originally by Instead from their first 7-inch, which is called Will Make the Difference. Uh, this one was produced by Andy Ernst, uh, and you could tell by listening to it that that's the case. Dan, I know the answer, but how would you feel about this song? <laughs> It's, it's fan-fucking-tastic. Like, it's a great cover of a great band. I do prefer the original, but this version is great. Pays a really good homage to Instead. And they definitely changed enough to make it a good written song, too. Like, it's good. Yeah. I was telling uh, telling friend of the pod, Matt, about this over the weekend, about how we uh, pulled the song, because he had posted... He has, um like, a... Um, a record Instagram account where you'll post these nice stories and um, yeah, variant coverage blog if you want to check it out. And he posted an Instead record and I was like, holy shit, like we just pulled that cover. And then he and I started talking about it and he feels the exact same way in terms of great cover Instead are fucking awesome. And they are. And like, this really goes back to like when Eric from, um, from my parents' basement was on, like, this is my shit. Like this is, this is the kind of hardcore I grew up on and the kind of hardcore that I still love. There's that like, I know I don't want to call it youth crew, but I mean like, yeah, for lack of a better term, let's just call it that, you know, positive youth crew, just stage dives, high fives, sing-alongs. Uh, coincidentally, when we uh, pick these songs, you know, like other than what I just mentioned about how Matt's uh, blog kind of popped. So a bunch of other random inset stuff just started popping in my feeds uh, including also a live video of Instead performing this song in Cleveland in 1989, which was so sick. So sick. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a dude, Andy Chico Mac. Um, you can find him on Instagram and on YouTube. Like crazy trip down memory lane, especially if you were in like the hardcore scene anywhere between like Brockville and Montreal in the early 90s, 2000s. But yeah, like just it was just such a weird like 
serendipitous thing that, you know, we pick this song and then like instead just starts flooding my feed, including the live, like a live version of this one song. It just really blew my mind. Anyways, song is sick. Inset are cool. They were only around for like five years and left a huge impact on hardcore. It's, I, yeah, man, they're underrated too. I I like I think they're they're like a really hype band, but I still find they're pretty underrated as well. So you know what, Dan? Yeah. Fuck this song. It has no <laughs> business being this good. Okay, I I almost just spit Arnold Palmer all over my fucking laptop. <laughs> nah, this song fucking rules. Uh, in 1999, when the ARA comp came out, I bought it right away. Uh, I probably mailed away for it, to be honest with you. That comp itself is awesome. Uh, Napalm Death, Less Than Jake, Discount, H2O, Bouncing Souls, Ensign, Creep Division, Alkaline Trio. Like, that comp was stacked. Uh, yeah. And when I first, yeah, <laughs> When I first heard it, I didn't realize that Feel Their Pain was a cover, which sent me down a rabbit hole of late 80s California hardcore. For anyone that never went down that rabbit hole, Feel Their Pain was originally done by Anaheim's Instead, who we just talked about is amazing. Um, It's definitely worth your time to take in everything that they did. Uh, They started around 86 by 89. They toured a little. And uh, Pat Dubar or Dubar from Uniform Choice sort of took them under his arm, uh, you know, helping him get shows, put out records, all that stuff. Wishing Well Records. Great label. Yeah. Killer. As for Good Riddance's cover, it's, you know, it's not exactly note for note, but it's pretty close. But I think I prefer this version of it just because of production. And honestly, it's like a decade difference of studio gear will make this song like it just sounds more full. Uh, yes. When you listen to the Good Riddance version. And yeah, just like what we have or Class War 2000, Feel Their Pain is Good Riddance at their most vicious. This, to me, was the best song on that ARA comp. And that comp came out on Asian Man Records, which is cool, not just because it's a benefit for ARA, but also I associate Asian Man with very soft pop punk or ska influenced pop punk. And then this comp has fucking Napalm Death on it and Violent Society and Better Than a Thousand. Uh, So I thought it was cool that Asian Man was like, no, we're going to do it. We're just going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I first heard it, I'd sort of been toggling between vegetarian and veganism for a while. So the lyrics to feel their pain were exactly what I wanted to hear. Uh, Yeah, the lyrics, though, were also kind of my first hint that this wasn't a good riddance original. You know, the lyrics are kind of ham fisted, which makes them super easy to memorize and to jump around like an asshole and chant along to <laughs> like, yeah, yeah the smile, the smiling clown for the billions served always stood out for me. Uh, I've never seen good riddance play this song live though, which might be a good thing because like, I definitely would have broken several of my own bones. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's, you know, yeah, that's, um, I, I never knew that they covered this song until we basically pulled it. I want to go back and listen to that comp. I love Asian Man Records. Shout out to Mike Park. That label has put out so much really cool stuff, including all the original Alkaline Trio stuff, too. So, um, yeah, man, that's really cool that they, you know, like your impression of it was like a softer uh, pop punk or um, ska side. And then they also did Alkaline Trio on top of that, too. And then um, I don't know if you would consider that softer pop punk, but 
anyways. But uh, yeah, it's it's very cool that they had everything from, like you were saying, Napalm Death, Alkaline Trio to Better Than a Thousand to Good Riddance covering Instead. That's it's awesome. I got to find that comp. I got to take that in. I must have listened to it when I was younger, but I know, yeah, I got to find that. Another thing that's been coming up a lot lately because it is like the 40th anniversary, which is fucking disgusting. And sorry to be a, a bummer after talking about this posse youth crew vegetarian anthem, but uh, Jello Biafra did a spoken word thing for that comp as well about Mumia Abu Jamal and how he was unfairly imprisoned. And that was in 1999. And I think, yeah, it was like 40 years ago now that Mumia was arrested uh, for. Yeah, like a cab driver who supposedly killed a police officer. If you don't know who Mumia Abu-Jamal is, Google that name. Before you Google anything else after this, Google that name. Read up on that guy. Of course, if you don't know who he is, you probably never listened to Rage Against the Machine either. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure what to tell you there. I'm not uh, sure how you just missed Rage Against the Machine. Please. third song this week grace and virtue from the album peace in our time it is the fifth song on peace in our time and i mentioned this last week and i still think it's weird that we have done songs two three four and five on peace in our time but no other songs uh the lineup is russ luke sean and chuck this was the uh, album in 2015 when they had just come back from the dead sort of I mean, they've been touring for three years or so, but uh, this was their first release after calling it quits in quotations. Dan, what'd you think of Grace and Virtue? So timing wise, there's I'm going to say something later. And the fact that you said 2015 after they called it quits and came back is going to make a little bit more sense. But when it kicks off, it kicks off kind of like a poppy screeching weasel type song, just with that like little lead at the beginning and it's short like one too like it's sure. a quick song it's like just a chit, bit over uh two minutes but the chorus goes really more into like a celtic punk vibe with those harmonies i don't know if you agree but that's hey. i i listened to it a few times being like no is it and then i feel like the math also adds up with a song named grace and virtue sounding like a celtic punk song so maybe yes. that's kind of what's in going on in my brain. So it also like a bit of a, a side note. I know Sean is in flogging Molly, right? So no, fine. Or real McKenzie's. Yeah. He played in the real McKenzie's real McKenzie's. That's what it is. Not yes. flogging Molly. Sorry. Yeah. Whoo. That could have been embarrassing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, admittedly, you know, after saying that, like uh, Celtic punk is not, not my stuff. Like I'm not, not my genre, my subgenre, my micro genre, if you will. Um, micro genre. Micro genre. So I'm not. So I'm not asking this in like any sort of shit talking way or trying to start shit. I'm genuinely curious because maybe there's something that I'm missing. But are you into Celtic punk stuff at all? No, but a soft no. Sure. Um, I don't dislike Pogues stuff, but. Sure. Are the, are the Pogues a straight punk band? Eh. I have every time – this is going to sound worse than I mean it to sound. But every time <laughs> I have seen the Dropkick Murphys, it's one of the best fucking shows I've ever seen. They play their guts out. The crowd goes fucking nuts. They are 
intense but fun and like everyone's having the best time at a Dropkick Murphy show. So much so that I'm like, man, I got to start listening to Dropkick Murphys. And I get three to five songs into a Dropkick Murphys album. And I'm just like, what was I thinking at that show? Uh, this is clearly not something that I'm actually into. Why did I think I was into it? And it's just because Dropkick Murphys kick fucking ass. Um, but I've seen the real Mackenzie's a handful of times. Again, it's like it's it's fun in the moment, but I don't know if I can sit down and listen to like a 40 minute long record of that. I am so happy that you said that because I really didn't want this little bit to come off as talking shit because yeah, I've seen dropkick great live bands, you know, like unbelievable recently saw them open for rancid recently, like five years ago at this point at echo beach. And it was great time. So maybe there is something I'm missing. I'm going to try and keep an open mind. So I'll shout out to the fans out there if they want to slide into our DMs and, you know, send me their favorite like Celtic punk jam and I'll give it a shot. Don't send me a fucking playlist. Don't send me like a list of songs, just like one or two go to bangers. And I can't stress this enough. If someone sends fucking shipping off to Boston, I'm going to block and delete them right away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> amazing okay. other than the uh ramones core intro and the vaguely uh celtic sounding chorus what did you think of the rest of the song so this project certainly this project being you know last believer a podcast about good riddance um has certainly had me pay way more attention to the lyrical content of good riddance Russ Rankin is a fucking poet. Let's I mean, like reading the lyrics again and again and then again, just before we hopped onto this call, this song is beautifully written. I like I was actually in awe about it and thinking about it now, like whatever. I just got like goosebumps a little bit and I don't know what it is about this one specifically. And I ran over it lyrically like two dozen times. And but for some reason, just I was like, man, this is a beautifully written song. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. You go, Glenn Coco. Like, fuck yeah. That's – I don't know why you punch past there. But um, that's 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 my big takeaway from this is that, you know, music, whatever, make a Celtic punk joke, blah, 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 whatever. But, like, l- lyrically, this is uh, – it's a great poem. It's fantastic. So with that, you know, may grace and virtue be upon you, Josh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I is, agree is we, with the episode from now on, by the way. Should we close up the episode? Grace and virtue be upon you. (laughs) That's it. That's how it starts and ends every episode from now on. So, yeah, this song, catchy as hell. Uh, That lead riff is in my head often, and there's no way to escape it. I've said it before, but this song sounds like skateboarding. (laughs) Okay, yeah. If there's another Tony Hawk game being rebooted or re-soundtracked or whatever, this is the song that I would be doing gnarly 720s to. I think. I don't know. Uh, the backing vocals in the chorus have a warmth to them, which I feel maybe plays into your like Celtic punk thing where it's, you know, in other episodes, we've especially the songs on Peace in Our Time. Uh, we've talked about some of the new vocal dynamics that they were using on the record, and they are mostly aggressive sounding. But here in Grace and Virtue, the backing tracks really kind of fill out the sound in a way that not many punk bands have used effectively. 
But the song isn't just about the melody. It sounds like other songs that Good Riddance and other bands may have written before. Um, but all the way through, there's small drum parts that stick out. And the bridge is, I feel, really explosive. Like the bridge part is, it's all just like shots, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the lyrics to this one, though, like I'm still not entirely clear on what's being put across. And like when this album first came out, I was running with this album in my ears a lot. And this song is definitely the most approachable on the album. Uh, it's an outlier on peace in our time for sure. In that way. And I remember listening to it and thinking it was a song about a lost friend, grace and virtue, obvious religious connotations, but good riddance definitely is not a Christian band. So I just thought of it as like a, like wishing someone well, But this week, getting ready for the show, I found a quote from Portrait of the Artist as a young man. I'm I'm reading on the pod again. We're (laughs) We're revisiting this portion of the pod. Another life, a life of grace and virtue and happiness. It was true. It was true that it was not a dream from which he would wake. The past was past. I've never read that book. (laughs) <laughs> but, <laughs> but from what I gather, the context is um, a character that has lived a very religious life thus far, and they will continue to, but while doing other things as well. And we've talked before about how Russ is definitely really into poetry and literature. As you mentioned, this song is definitely a poem. Um, he even mentions Joyce by name in another song that we haven't gotten to yet. So I'm thinking that maybe the whole song Grace and Virtue might just be a pain to James Joyce. Okay. Dan's rolling his eyes real hard no, at me no, for that. No, one. I wasn't. Uh, I was connecting the dots of like James Joyce, Celtic punk. Oh. <laughs> it all comes to what does it mean? <laughs> uh, as far as as far as the literal meaning of the song, I'm still not really sure and honestly i'm not that concerned about it it sounds like a very nice tribute whatever it is the same 100 the same i couldn't figure i couldn't pinpoint what the song could have been about but i was just enamored with the lyrics i was just like taking it okay um yeah it's yeah i don't i don't I don't even have much more to say about it other than like, I really, really enjoyed those lyrics. And I think, I don't know why it clicked with me, but part of me thinks that because I have no idea what it's specifically about or whatever, it's uh, maybe that's why I'm also so enchanted by it. Is that the right word? I don't know. Whatever. Maybe entranced by it. Yeah, let's go with it. I don't know. The song was good. Uh, lyrics were definitely better. It's not making my top 10 or anything, but lyrically, that's one of the, the coolest ones I feel like I've read in the last like 15 weeks or so. In the last, or so. Well, I just can't remember what episode this is. 16? 16. <laughs> uh, I'm looking to see if anyone responded when we said, do you have any questions? I've got one. And All it, has right. almost, it has almost nothing to do with good riddance. But uh, it's a very good question that I was pitched. <laughs> and I don't know. This is definitely me blindsiding you. Fucking fantastic. Dan. Yes, sir. Put the put the following nations in order of importance to you. Ford Nation, for anyone listening outside of the province of Ontario. Uh, Doug Ford is the premier for now. And he's real bad at his fucking job. 
and his followers call themselves Ford Nation. So, number one, Ford Nation. Number two, Rhythm Nation. <laughs> number three, Nation of Islam. Number four, Nation of Ulysses. Number five, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Put those oh, in order. man. Can I ask who sent that in? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's my friend Vince, who is a music writer, uh, who is now actually a distiller in Bogota in Colombia. Nice. So Ford Nation is dead last. Yes. 100%. Shit, this is hard. I'm going to go. It takes a nation, number one. Yeah. Two. I'm going to sh- shout out the Nation of Islam. Well, it's funny because Nation of Millions wouldn't exist the way that it does without the Nation of Islam. So they're almost like a 1A, 1B situation, right? Yeah, well, that and I just don't want to disrespect anyone, first and foremost, by being like, I'm going to put Nation of Ulysses ahead of, you know, and well, yeah, whatever. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. 1A, 1B. Uh, you know what? I'm pretty much going to do it in like, reverse order of what i said it i'm gonna be it one it takes nation two nation of islam three nation of ulysses i like that that's the second time that got brought up on this pod uh then we're gonna go rhythm nation and ford nation can fall off a fucking cliff yeah uh i'm you know obviously this is it there's no right answer to this list except for ford nation is last for me nation of millions number one rhythm nation number two i fucking love janet jackson i love janet jackson since before i knew what love was uh, Nation of Ulysses, because that band fucking rips. Yes. Nation of Islam would be number four for me. Honestly, Janet Jackson and Public Enemy and even the Nation of Ulysses all owe a tribute to the Nation of Islam. And I sort of prefer it through those three acts filters. Perfect. And then, yeah, Ford Nation can fall off a fucking cliff, as you said. There we go. All right. There's a little insight. Uh, a little- should we pick next week's songs? Yes, sir. Let's see how many fucking numbers are picked that have already been picked. Also, I far prefer that kind of quiz to the BuzzFeed quizzes of yore. The the BuzzFeed quizzes had their own little charm. But uh, yes, I would prefer, you know, if if someone wanted to reach out and give us something like that, like rank these or um whatever those you know those fuck mary kill games or whatever they are i, I didn't want to yeah, sure. could remember what the other politically correct way to say it was but my first number that i have picked is 171 so 171 so, is the song tempest toss and that's from the world food program benefit oh cool okay number two 97 97 we are good Ooh. And I'm not going to say who it is just in case they can't do it. But we do have someone that is asked to be a guest for the song Texas from the album My Republic. Is it the reason, though? Matt, 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 Oh, boy. Uh, also, can I say something? Having never, <laughs> ever once listened to the band Texas is the Reason. Yeah. Go How forward. do you name your band Texas is the Reason and not just play Misfits covers? Uh, excellent question. Um, <laughs> and like, I've never listened to Texas is the reason for all I know, it's a fucking all-star band made up of a bunch of dudes in bands that I love otherwise. And I probably love Texas is the reason, but I've never actually listened to them. 
entirely because there's nothing about the band other than the name that indicates to me that they love the Misfits. Yeah, and they sound nothing like the Misfits. Yeah, so like, why why did you name your band Texas is the Reason? I don't know. American Nightmares well, is a Misfits song, and they don't sound like the Misfits. But they sound way closer to the Misfits than Texas is the Reason, no? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, uh, what's our yeah. next song? <laughs> okay, sorry, uh, 116. Ah, oh, fuck, yes. Another song from Peace in Our Time. It's called Dry Season. And uh, anyone that was paying attention, it was a big deal to Good Riddance fans when they announced that they were going to put out another record. And Dry Season was the first thing anybody got to hear from Peace in Our Time. Oh, cool. So we're going to get to go over that. There's a video for that one for you to look into uh, for next week as well, Dan. Sweet. Those are our songs for next week. So we're going to do Tempest Toss from the World Food Program Benefit. We're going to do Texas from My Republic with a potential guest. I don't want anyone to get their hopes up. And uh, Dry Season from Peace in Our Time. Dan, if anyone wants to give us any feedback on anything they've heard today, if they want to send us their list of favorite nations, how do they do that? (laughs) They shouldn't. Like, don't. <laughs> you know, um, uh, what you can do, uh, drop us an email, uh, lastbelieverpod at gmail.com, or slide into our Instagram DMs at lastbelieverpod. Uh, that's the best way to reach either one of us. Um, if you have questions, concerns, um, as you mentioned earlier, virtual high five, fantastic. Uh, we would also love if you would subscribe to the pod or and or drop a five-star review. Five-star review and the subscriptions just really help people find us with the old uh, algorithm that the internet is using to get the pods to the peoples. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't. Need, it can just be one word. As I mentioned earlier, it could just be the word tight with, like, seven eyes or five eyes for five-star review. Whatever. Be creative or don't. It's fine. Um, <laughs> or more importantly, though, because it is just a very DIY thing that we're doing, um, we're not, like, buying advertisements to get everyone – you know, aware about this and yeah, like word of mouth is the best way. Uh, so tell your friends, you know, send the pod to someone who you think might like, uh, Josh and I listening to, um, listening to, well, and talking about, um, good riddance and other old punk stuff or actually just any kind of stuff altogether. Cause we, uh, we know a lot about, no, we know a little about a lot. No, a lot about, you know what I'm trying to say? We know a lot of things about, or fuck, what if, Oh my god, it's a long day. Sorry. <laughs> I am not editing one piece of that out. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Uh yeah, pass it on to a friend who might uh want to hear us talk about uh uh Goodrins and pop punk and hardcore and metal and all kinds of rad stuff cuz that's what we do. Lastly, we got a Patreon, um patreon.com/lastbeliever/pod. Uh go <laughs> go check that out. Um, there's some cool tiers on there with some, uh, rewards and we're working on some exclusive stuff. Um, so yeah, go take a look, sign up if you have a couple extra bucks and, uh, it really just goes to replenish our costs. If we get to a point where there is a surplus, uh, we'll put it to the patrons and we'll see what, if we can all agree on, um, who we can pass on that surplus to and, you know, help them out, whether it be stuff about encampments or uh, food bank or anything along those lines. That's that's how we're going to roll. Whatever we can do to help out. We 
to this day have yet to receive any permission from anyone from Fat Records or from the band Good Riddance or from any of the labels that Good Riddance has put out records on. And we really appreciate that we're going to go with the no news is good news, which means that everyone involved in producing all this music is okay with us doing it. Uh, Thanks for that, everybody. My name is Josh Lindley. You heard Dan. We'll be back next week talking about three more Good Riddance songs on Last Believer, a podcast about Good Riddance. You say it one more time. Stop following that line. Hold it on too long. Hold it on too long. So may grace and virtue be upon you. I got that new Honey's ice cream today. Yeah. The 420 ice cream, yeah. They uh, yeah. pre I pre-ordered it on Sunday, and Mel went and picked it up today. It looks wild. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's for for Stoner Day. It's like cinnamon toast crunch ice cream mixed with chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream mixed with um, buttery popcorn. Sure. Yeah. Jess Jess also got a Honey's ice cream today, but it's a like a malted chocolate thing. Um, because she knew I wouldn't go for the cinnamon toast thing because there's raisins in it. There's raisins in it? Fuck. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Why are you putting raisins in something that's supposed to be a treat? Yeah, yeah. Like, why eat raisins at all? But mostly, obviously, you're just wishing that those raisins were chocolate chips. Like, no one has ever bitten into a raisin cookie and thought, you know what? This is better than a chocolate chip cookie because it's not. <laughs> it never will be. Like, that's lunacy. That's such a classic take, but it still checks out every single time. Yeah, like, no one wants raisins.